Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your New Books Network host, Cynthia Horn, and we're talking today with Dr. Lavinia Stan, Professor of Political Science at St. Francis Xavier University in Canada. Good morning, Dr. Stan. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me about the Encyclopedia of Transitional Justice, both the 2013 edition uh, with Nadia Nadelsky and the preview for a forthcoming second edition of this important encyclopedia. So, good morning. Uh, good morning, and uh, thank you very much for taking the time to, uh, to record uh, this uh, interview. By way of introduction, Dr. Lavinia Stan is a world-recognized scholar with significant scholarly engagement across issues of democratization, transitional justice, and the politics of religion in Central and Eastern Europe. She is the author or editor of 12 books, including Transitional Justice in Post-Communist Romania with Cambridge Press in 2013, Churches, Memory, and Justice in Post-Communism with Palgrave in 2021, and Post-Communist Transitional Justice, Lessons from 25 Years of Experience with Cambridge in 2015, to name just a few. Her work has appeared in so many peer-reviewed journals, I can only highlight a few, Europe-Asia Studies, Communist and Post-Communist Studies, and European Journal of Political Research. She is on the editorial or advisory board of more than 20 journals, including the Associate Editor for East European Politics and Societies and the Editor for Women's Studies International Forum. In addition, she's a former member of the Scientific Council of the Institute for the Investigation of Communist Crimes and the Memory of Romanian Exile, and a member of the National Council for the Recognition of University Titles, Diplomas, and Certificates of the Romanian Ministry of Education. She's the past president of the Society for Romanian Studies and a member of the Club of Rome. Moreover, she regularly serves as an expert witness in court cases on property restitution, communist repression, asylum, deportation, and other transitional justice issues. It is such a pleasure to have her here with us today. Uh, uh, Once again, welcome, Dr. Stan, and thank you for generously agreeing to talk. So today we will be discussing the Encyclopedia of Transitional Justice, published by Cambridge 
University Press in 2013 and edited by Dr. Stan and Nadia Nadzielski, who cannot be with us today. I'm happy to have this opportunity to talk about the 2013 edition because it is going to be expanded on in a forthcoming second edition in March 2023. So this interview will discuss both the previous edition and um, ways that the second edition builds on it. So Dr. Stan, first, could you give us a sense what got you interested in questions related to transitional justice? Uh, first of all, uh, uh, let me say uh, once again how pleased I am uh, to have this uh, talk with uh, uh, Cynthia, Dr. Cynthia Horn um, uh, for NBN. Um, as, as many people know, I was born in Romania under communism. So I had a direct personal experience with, um, uh, dictatorship, uh, with repression. Uh, some of my family member, uh, members were, um, um, discriminated and persecuted by the um, uh, communist regimes, not so much uh, by the Ceausescu, Nicolae Ceausescu regime, but the previous one. So um, my uh, my interest in transitional justice um, started from a personal quest to understand not only what happened to me and to my generation, but also how we can uh, go beyond the, um, the wrongs that were done uh, to us or the, um, the dissatisfaction that we had with the state machinery and what the state did to us uh, how the state um, um, limited, uh, restricted our movement, our thoughts, our beliefs, our chances in life, uh, and determined our faith, uh, um, ultimately. So um, transitional justice uh, was something that I was, uh, let's say, indirectly interested in during the 1990s, during the first decade of post-communism, uh, when I was looking at uh, Central and Eastern Europe and all the reforms that were uh, implemented in that part of the world, and I was thinking to myself, well, probably the most important reform that um, we should think about is not a reform of political institutions, is not a reform of the economy, but it's a reform, a change, a transformation of our own ideas of the uh, whether we, how and whether uh, we accept uh, human rights and whether we accept we are okay with human rights abuses and to what degree we are really committed to respect uh, human rights when, for example, um, we have to trade them for um, for economic gains or um, or political gains, and I I thought these were really important questions that already had uh, started to be investigated in the 1990s, but somehow the the responses or um, the the literature I uh, um, uh, I consulted during the 1990s was not really satisfying uh, uh, me. It was not giving me the answers that I was um, I was uh, looking for. So transitional justice, in a way, started from this um, initial personal quest. Uh, for understanding my future and the future of my friends left uh, behind in Romania through the lens of this recent past that was so shocking in a way, so abusive, so um, confusing 
for our generation that we didn't know how to respond to it. Uh, I can see how your personal and professional commitment to transitional justice does shine in your work. Um, that said, the, an encyclopedia is a massive undertaking. What led you and your co-author, Nadia Nizielski, to set about developing an encyclopedia? And that's a good question. And uh, um, I remember I met uh, Nadia and I uh, were in the um, uh, same program at the University of Toronto roughly during the same time. Um, and we met again uh, during the convocation, during the final um, graduation ceremony, and we recognized uh, uh, each other in uh, this uh, huge mass of students <laughs> graduating at uh, the University of Toronto, and we said, let's work together. Let's work together on um, on topics that uh, that uh, resonate with um, with." Um, uh, each one of us. And one of the topics that that was on the table for both of us was lustration. Um, and this is how we started um, our, uh, our collaboration in the area of transitional justice. And at one point during our many discussions, we were both remarking that transitional justice as a field uh, at that time did not have that many references reference uh, books, reference tools, um, the big work, the big works that, the big books that would define, distill um, the um, many strands of, uh, or and many thoughts and many case studies uh, that were published everywhere, you know, um, in various journals and in various books, but they were not brought together somehow um, in in a reference tool. Uh, actually, first of all, we uh, we discussed about um, the possibility of putting together a textbook, and we uh, um, um, we. Uh, rather quickly um, came to the conclusion that it was too limited that that was not really that was not really it was uh, it was needed but that was not really what we were um, interested in and then we we um, thought about the handbook and um, we uh, we had a serious discussion about the handbook we had a serious discussion about the dictionary and in the end we concluded that an encyclopedia was um, the best formula, the best vehicle for us to express what we wanted, to bring people together first. Um, you have uh, entries that are longer than um, um, those in a dictionary, but uh, you have more entries than in a handbook, for example. So you can, you can combine different strengths of different reference tools in this encyclopedia and have the, the depth to a certain extent, but also the breadth to include um, so many case studies on so many continents and so many methods and programs and and debates and concepts and everything. So, so to that end, can you elaborate a little bit? I mean, when I took a look at the structure of the encyclopedia, it included 23 types of transitional justice across 82 countries. It's a three-volume set. Can you share with us a little bit about the structure of the encyclopedia and perhaps something about the scope of the encyclopedia? Um, from the beginning, we, um, uh, we, we aimed for um, an international scope. We aimed to include as many countries and cases as possible and definitely to get out of uh, Central and Eastern Europe, the region that both of us are more uh, most familiar with. So the encyclopedia uh, is structured in uh, three volumes. Um, the first volume is... Um, 
dedicated to methods, processes, and practices. Um, we have 23 of those, uh, ranging from truth commissions to court trials to lustration uh, and apologies, uh, compensation packages, and uh, others. Uh, also, in the first volume, we have 28 debates and controversies that um, have animated at least some of the transitional justice scholars. Uh, we have um, also 42 concepts uh, ranging from uh, Ubuntu in uh, South Africa to uh, accountability, right to truth, inquisitorial justice, uh, but also comfort women and oratic sites. Volume uh, uh, 2 includes uh, countries. We uh, had in the first um, edition of the encyclopedia 83 countries uh, included on all continents. Um, Russia, Cambodia, Colombia, Romania, Australia, Rwanda, Mozambique, um, but also um, um, uh, other countries. I have to say that... um, some countries were included because we had a ve- availability of uh, contributors. Some others, uh, some other countries were not included, not because we didn't think that uh, they were interesting from a transitional justice point of view, but we couldn't find uh, a contributor willing and knowledgeable to write about those uh, that particular country um, within the time um, uh, framework that uh, we had for the first edition. Uh, here I would uh, make a note that uh, we include uh, two entries on Germany, um, one uh, entry on the Nazi past and one separate entry on the communist past, just because there is so much material uh, to go uh, to summarize uh, for that country. And the last uh, volume three includes transitional justice institutions and organizations, 111 of them in the first edition. Uh, Some of these um, organizations and institutions uh, were set up by governments. Others were um, um, initiated by civil society actors. Some of them are domestic. Others are international. So, In terms of institutions, uh, we have all the memory institutes um, in uh, Central and Eastern Europe, for example. Uh, We have uh, various truth commissions in uh, South Africa, Latin America, and other countries like uh, South Korea. But we also have um, uh, civil society um, actors like the um, uh, Memorial Society in the Russian Federation uh, and uh, Mothers of the Plaza uh, de Mayo in um, Argentina. All entries organize material in the same fashion, so comparisons could be easily drawn between truth commissions, for example, that operate in various countries, or between countries in the same region, just by reading these entries. Um, Country studies, for example, start by explaining the atrocious past in need of redress, uh, making sure to mention a number of victims, uh, to explain the nature of the human rights violations that occurred, if that information is available, of course. yeah. Then a second section details not only the political conditions that led to um, um, transitional justice, but also the most important programs pursued in that particular country. So readers can easily find whether a country had a truth commission, for example, or um, a major court trial. Um, What was the name of that truth commission? When did it operate? With uh, what kind of results? And also all entries include cross-references, which point to other entries in the encyclopedia that offer complementary information to the one included in the entry that is written. And all entries but those on concept include further readings because actually these entries are just entries. (laughs) The encyclopedia entries are entries into a topic, a debate, 
an institution, a country. So the further readings are which which uh, could be uh, the um, final reports of the truth commissions or other governmental uh, institutions with transitional justice attributions, but also the main, um, the most important books, the most important uh, articles written on that um, uh, transitional justice uh, case. Uh, sometimes we include uh, documentaries and even uh, links to artistic uh, uh, movies. Uh, in my class, I uh, I love to show uh, my students uh, the lives of others, the German movie that won uh, Oscar, just because I find it that no matter how much explanation I offer to my students, the lives of others will convince them of, will show them stuff that I will never, they will never accept from me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What an amazing resource for academics as well as policymakers. I'm sure this has been used a lot in the coding of cases as it's become all the rage to create databases on transitional justice. Um, So thank you for that. Can you tell us a little bit about the contributors to this volume and um, what the global scope is? Um, we, um, uh, uh, among our contributors, we have senior scholars, um, but also uh, junior scholars, uh, and in some cases, doctoral students. Um, we um, preferred um, contributors from the countries um, uh, they were writing on, uh, who knew the language, uh, who could access um, uh, final reports or government reports or uh, local um, academic uh, sources that uh, we were not uh, able to to answer, who had a a local perspective on uh, on cases. But we also... uh, um, um, you know, preferred um, knowledgeable uh, experts, uh, experts with uh, a lot of uh, studies, a lot of publications, a lot of fieldwork um, on a particular topic. Um, we have we have contributors from all continents. <laughs> and uh, I would, uh, uh, I, I don't want to give names because I don't want to, uh, uh, I don't want to rank them in a way, you know, all of them are very important to us. I think all of them uh, are to be commended for um, their uh, familiarity with the, um, with the topics they are writing on. Um, we had a lot of contributors who approached us and um, offered to write on this or that country, uh, who signaled to us uh, this or that um, transitional justice institution that um, is not necessarily known, uh, that is um, of uh, local significance, but we we thought it's uh, really important to include um, to include it in the uh, encyclopedia. Of course, the encyclopedia is a, is a working progress. Um, institu- transitional justice truth commissions, for example, are constituted almost uh, every year in uh, uh, different uh, parts of the world. Some of them uh, are more successful than others. So we need to update the, uh, the information, not only with information about the the uh, institutions and countries that are that have ongoing transitional justice programs but also add add new institutions add new information about programs sometimes very um, uh, not obscure but little known um, to the community of uh, scholars and practitioners interested in transitional justice. What an amazing collaborative project spanning the globe. I know our listeners will be excited to to hear about the local content, the um, national content, that this isn't a group of Western scholars designing an encyclopedia, but really represents an attempt to collaborate from the bottom up as well as from the top down in better understanding mechanisms. 
Um, in terms of the cases, uh, some of the cases have multiple entries, as you've suggested, or cross-listed to institutions or, or actors. Could you give us a sense of one case that kind of stands out as having multiple uh, multiple entries and avenues for exploration, and also signal to our listeners about cases that aren't covered, but you would love to have covered in the future if someone has a research specialty in it. I think um, Germany stands out as a country that for decades now has been involved in reckoning with um, uh, multiple sets of uh, human rights violations, not only the Nazi past, but also the communist past in um, uh, in um, uh, after the Second World War. Yeah. Um, a country that uh, that uh, I've been studying and uh, uh, again uh, has engaged in uh, in a um, wide variety of transitional justice uh, methods is Romania. Uh, many people are saying that Romania is overstudied today because. Um, um, because some of the authors have been very uh, prolific and productive um, writing about um, about its uh, transitional justice efforts, but um, Romania has conducted some um, uh, court trials uh, against um, uh, communist perpetrators, has uh, offered compensation packages to former political prisoners uh, persecuted and arrested and imprisoned by uh, the communist regime, has uh, created um, uh, history commissions and not one but two, one in relation to its communist past and another one in relation to its um, involvement in the Holocaust. Um, it uh, has um, created a number of uh, memory institutes. Uh, one of the memory institute was, uh, I was um, involved with it in the Scientific con uh, Council, the Institute for the Investigation of Communist uh, Crimes in Romania. There is another institute uh, uh, working today. I'm also on the um, uh, Scientific Council of uh, that inst institute for the Romanian Revolution of December 1989. We have a national custodian of the secret archive compiled by the communist secret police, the Securitate, on ordinary citizens. This national uh, custodian is mimicking or is, is taking the lead of the German Gauk archive uh, to offer access to the ordinary Romanians who had been placed under surveillance uh, to this um, information and documents compiled on them. Uh, but more importantly, I think Romania is interesting because it shows you uh, the input of civil society when government officials and government action, uh, actors are reluctant or to, to do anything. Um, Romania had uh, one of the two uh, citizens' opinion tribunals in uh, on related to communist crimes in um, uh, the um, in uh, post-communist uh, Europe. The other the other um, uh, citizens' tribunal took place in Vilnius. Um, the Romanian one took place in Cluj-Napoca. Um, how effective these transitional justice methods official or unofficial uh, initiated by the civil society that's that's another that's an, uh, a completely different uh, topic you know but the range of efforts the range of initiatives i think um, speaks volumes for um, what can be done uh, by um, by various actors domestic yeah, uh, to, to rectify the past. What we missed in the first 
uh, edition of the encyclopedia, we missed quite a lot. Um, we um, missed, uh, we couldn't include uh, an entry on memorialization, for example. Um, and I'm, I'm, um, um, aware of the fact that memorialization is such a huge topic. There are so many examples in the world, um, in various settings, um, and there are so many ways to engage in memorialization that there's a daunting task to summarize such a topic in a uh, in an in a rather short entry of. Um, uh, you know, 3,500 uh, words. Um, we could not include an entry on China, for example, although we we wanted and uh, um, because, because the contributor was not able to deliver in time uh, by the deadline of uh, Cambridge University Press. Um, we uh, could not uh, include um, an entry on diminishing the, um, the pensions of the former um, uh, secret officers, for example, uh, a method championed by Poland, uh, and I think it's it's a very interesting initiative, um, which has been the topic of debate in um, in other post communist countries. Um, uh, so w- we could not uh, also include uh, an entry on the United uh, States. Yeah, we didn't have uh, a contributor willing and able to to do that. So. We we tried to address some of these concerns in the second edition, but again, the second edition maybe goes a little bit more beyond the first, but there are uh, a lot of missing points of view and missing topics, and not necessarily because we uh, we believe that they are not important, but because of the constraints of um, of finding uh, uh, suitable contributors uh, who would follow the who deliver um, uh, the entry in time for uh, by the deadline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Well, you have now alluded to the second edition, which I'm very excited about, uh, which is... Uh, being finalized and will be published in March of 2023, so right around the corner. Could you talk a little bit about how the range of methods has changed for exploring transitional justice in the past decade? Because we know significant global changes have been made in uh, national and international approaches to transitional justice. And maybe a little bit more about the scope of the cases that are covered for the first time in this second edition. Um, The second edition um, will be published one full decade after the first edition. This was not our original plan. Uh, We thought that we will update the encyclopedia every five years. Of course, the encyclopedia itself uh, has uh, expanded so much that you need two to three years to collect all the, to to, to, uh, find contributors, to agree on uh, on, uh, new entries, and to collect all these uh, entries, to edit them, to make sure that they are uh, aligned to um, a certain template so that uh, um, the readers will um, navigate the information uh, with ease. Um, 
We tried in the second um, edition to include a number of um, as much as much new information as possible. But I have to say that again, there is much more scope for improvement. And we hope that the third edition, which uh, um, um, I hope that will uh, will be published not uh, uh, in 10 years, but uh, maybe in five, uh, hopefully we won't have COVID to slow us down um, this time. Yeah, um, We did uh, update, and I think... I, I want to underscore the um, updating um, effort made by the initial contributors and by new contributors in the case of some entries, because to, to a certain extent, it's an it's an ungrateful type of exercise. Uh, um, you don't um, you don't put your name as the single author on a new entry and you present this uh, great uh, new country or new institution new debate new method but you check the information you check the whatever uh, developments have uh, taken place uh, since the um, um, the um, uh, initial uh, first edition uh, was written so i would i would commend all the contributors who engaged in this updating because it's a it's a, um it's a detailed type of work and it's um, um it requires uh, a lot of effort to keep track of uh, of all the new developments yeah in terms of the scope i think it is definitely um, more evident now with the second edition and with the latest development in the field that transitional justice has been institutionalized at the international level. We do live uh, in a time uh, where we can talk about a, a justice cascade, where uh, it is almost a norm that um, new... Uh, countries that come out of periods of dictatorship or conflict and style themselves, claim to be uh, new democracies, it is a norm. It is it is an expectation uh, that they will engage in some kind of reckoning with the recent with the legacy of the recent human rights violations it is not no longer the case that the past is somewhere there uh, dissociated from the present and the future um, and um, uh, there, there are spillover effects um, mentalities uh, how much trust uh, because uh, uh, Dr. Horn has uh, has uh, studied and is uh, one of the authors of the best um, uh, book on um, uh, trust and transitional justice. Yeah, trust is very important. What what people have in their heads, how you look at the government, how you look at the society, and all these societies are fractured societies where you don't trust your neighbor, you don't trust your relative you don't trust the government because that government you know um, um, profiled you and and abused you and repressed you and discriminated you and did all these wrongs uh, to you so i would say that it is more evident um with the second edition, that there is a wide range of official and unofficial judiciary and non-judiciary methods of reckoning with 
the recent past. This recent past also um, has been expanded and enlarged by recent research. Uh, we no longer uh, consider that the recent past is really recent, is like last year, last decade. Uh, but um, uh, as uh, the uh, controversy related to the um, confederation statues uh, for example suggests this past could be quite quite remote um, in time uh, but the effects on the government on the working of the government on the relation the, the way the government sees society yeah, and its effects on the society linger on and they must be addressed by local, national, international, supranational, or a combination sometimes of actors. It sounds like you've actually started to allude to one of my questions, which is about potential areas of coverage for a third edition even. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share or invite listeners to reach out if they have ideas for a third edition? The, the second edition, it's, I think, um, captured some new um, countries and new cases that are really important. We have, for example, an entry on Sweden, on Norway, countries that were not included in the first edition. We have an entry on commissionism, yeah, which is a new, new word or new term, new concept um, that uh, our contributors on Brazil and uh, South Korea uh, came up with um, because they they saw these developments, this proliferation of truth commissions. Um, in Brazil, you have apparently hundreds of them in, uh, in South Korea at, at various levels. Yeah, at uh, uh, state, Brazil is a federation of states. Yeah, at state level, a federal level, a local level, and all of them um, work sometimes in isolation and sometimes coordinate with each other, but not always. Yeah. Um, similarly, in um, uh, South Korea, um, we have almost 10 um, truth commissions, um, uh, some of them with um, um, attributions uh, to look at the past uh, uh, all over the territory of the country, but some of them to look only at uh, very specific uh, massacre of on Jeju Island uh, in, this, uh, in April uh, uh, 1974, etc., etc. So I think the second... Um, edition does a lot of good things in showing that a broad um, view of the cases helps us to see parallels that might not be evident to contributors that know only their country or only this uh, truth commission or only this um, debate that takes place uh, in whatever region of the world. yeah. But of course, we have gaps uh, and we are still looking for a good entry on memorialization, for example. It could be the case that we have to break it down in a number, several entries, maybe one uh, having to do with um, um, knocking down and erecting statues, um, other entry having to do with uh, changing the names of uh, streets and localities. We don't have um, that kind of entry. And uh, the more symbolic ways of deal, dealing with the recent past. We don't, we are, we, we are not as uh, strong when it comes to um, unofficial 
transitional justice uh, methods. We don't have an entry that summarizes um, the practice and scholarship uh, to date on citizens' opinion tribunals. And there have been so many of them, the uh, opinion tribunal uh, um, related to comfort women, for example, which is so important, or the uh, citizens' tribunals um, related to Bertrand Russell. And, uh, yeah, uh, if, if scholars or practitioners look look at them, uh, it's mostly uh, confined to a region. So we, we are still looking for to add um, entries on these methods, but um, uh, understood globally at the at the um, uh, international level, at the at the cross regional level, um, so that we can compare uh, between these exercises and see what best practices are um, when it comes to memorialization, changing names of streets and localities, um, uh, having museums, what kind of museums, what kind of civi- citizens' opinion tribunals, what kind of even court trials, I would say, um, and some courts uh, and tribunals um, need to be uh, included with more detail in a third uh, edition. But also we have controversies that or debates debates that uh, should be added. We should add an entry on the confederation statues and what it means when we um, leave the statues uh, on and when we erase all the statues. And then in the memory scape, in the public um, uh, space, we do not have uh, anything to remind us of those atrocious pasts. Yeah, um, we also have. Um, uh, I would like to see um, entries on new countries, new to us, <laughs> uh, and here probably United States is uh, the most important um, example uh, that comes to mind. But also um, China, I think it's very important and. Um, uh, questions related to Tibet, uh, to um, uh, Taiwan, and also uh, to the treatment of Uyghurs um, are important signal there. So um, although um, China, I think it's uh, interesting to, um, to transitional justice scholars and practitioners as a non-case, as a country that did not engage in transitional justice, not because it has nothing, no past to talk about, um, but because of uh, lack of political uh, willingness. So um, the third edition, I hope, uh, will gather even uh, a greater number of scholars uh, from a greater number of countries um, on a a larger number of uh, methods, practices, um, debates, and concepts, and institutions, so that we have an even clearer uh, and more comprehensive picture of of all these initiatives and efforts that uh, we've been engaging in as humanity, I would say, (laughs) yeah, uh, to redress uh, the legacy of uh, recent human rights violations. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there is an open invitation to continue to build this global scholarly network, uh, trying to advance our understanding of transitional justice. So I have one final question for you. Now you have a perspective on all the forms of transitional justice uh, formal and informal that few people have because of your work on these encyclopedias. And you have alluded to some of the changes that you have observed over the past two decades 
the formalization in particular and institutionalization of expectations surrounding transitional justice. Could you share with us a few of the broader changes in the field of transitional justice that we should tune into perhaps more what your perspective looking globally at the mixture of civil society actors, international institutions, national actors, or issues or time, what they can say to us about the direction transitional justice is going in the future. Um, I would uh, raise here two points. First of all, um, the fact that um, the the importance of uh, civil society actors and um, the um, in in promoting um, a transitional justice agenda that includes a mix of actors. And the second, I would say, is the anti-transitional justice current that I've been noticing uh, lately. When it comes to temporal issues, I think uh, you, Cynthia, uh, are are the best qualified to comment, and maybe after my answer, you would like to add something about the temporal aspects of transitional justice uh, in the recent trends uh, in the field. Yeah, when it comes to, uh, to which actors engage in reckoning. I've always been of the um, of the opinion that a mix of actors is the best. Sometimes I, I've been uh, um, involved in um, uh, transitional justice initiatives at the international level, but also at the official level um, in um, related to uh, Arab Spring countries, North Korea, South Korea. Um, and um, I would say too much focus on official transitional justice um, might um, um, limit us, might restrict us, might, uh, might block us into uh, taking into account the, the importance uh, of civil society, unofficial uh, initiatives. There is a lot of scope for non-state actors to do stuff, to react, to uh, think about solutions when there is a political will on the part of government actors to to uh, to engage in uh, uh, meaningful transitional justice uh, initiatives. So I would say that civil society continues to um, formulate, implement, uh, complete, champion um, transitional justice initiatives and uh, in countries, in settings where the government is impotent, is unwilling, uh, maybe we don't have a functioning government. Maybe maybe we don't have the security problem addressed. So the government is involved in military combat and cannot doesn't have the 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 resources and the attention and the time to, to devote to transitional justice. Then the uh, the civil society actors can act in a comp, comp, uh, to take to take over from the state um, in pursuing transitional justice. Um, but also transitional uh, uh, civil society actors can assist the state, have a secondary, um, uh, like the, the second will, the transitional justice, official transitional justice, uh, when uh, even when the government is willing to act, yeah, uh, you have to have somebody uh, independent who would say, "Well, I maybe I represent the interests of the victims better. I will tell you the government what the victims want. I will tell you that you've you've done." Not enough in uh, when it comes to compensations. You didn't uh, uh, 
pursue the former per perpetrators. Um, you um, are recognizing amnesty packages that are unjust and uh, uh, are provoking uh, the, uh, you know, um, dissatisfaction of the victims. So civil society, I would say, uh, should be should be given more. Um, more recognition for uh, its role in uh, promoting reckoning. Uh, and I, I think we do have an expanded number of cases in the world where uh, this or that um, association of former victims or group of lawyers or uh, group even of uh, psychiatrists sometimes, uh, they take it upon themselves to offer assistance to victims, to, um, to um, construct uh, parallel databases of government documents uh, uh, that uh, victims could uh, consult to find out um, uh, the types of, uh, you know, per persecution and uh, repression that they uh, they suffered, the, to find out the chain of command uh, of state actors when it came to their own suffering. Yeah. But at the same time, I would say that it is very worrying for me to see this anti-transitional justice trends uh, and it's not, I mean, here, Russia, probably, with the commission to counter attempts to falsify history at the expense of Russian interests is probably the, the um, most cited example. Uh, I know uh, everybody was scandalized. Um, but, but we have similar attempts in Poland. We have similar attempts in Hungary and other countries. And this is worrying. And it's, to me, it's, um, it's more worrying in a way than the general discussion that takes place at the international level that we are, human rights are a Western construct and we challenge them. I, I think that those are, um, a lot of those debates are abstract in a way. But when you see that concrete action is taken by some governments, yeah, um, to mimic the, the, the Russian commission mimics a truth commission, if you think, a history commission, if you think, uh, if you think about it. So sometimes they, they take the form of something that is, is, uh, accepted in transitional justice as a vehicle of change, of re-examination, of reckoning, of atonement, of, of, of redressing the past, and they transform, they give it a mission that is completely um, uh, countering any um, significant and meaningful transitional justice. So that's worrying for me. Mm -hmm. I and think I, we'll I think see temporal Temporal uh, issues are really important, and I would uh, I would say that you should intervene now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking that the discussion about multiple voices and civil society uh, perspectives on transitional justice, including informal methods, has been so important to advance our understanding of the various. Uh, um, the various configurations transitional justice can manifest. However, we do see civil society groups trying to undermine transitional justice as well. It's not just a state-driven exercise. So uh, it really complicates the way we think about the forces supporting or undermining true accountability and redress. Um, I'll just say one word or two about temporal. Um, we know that transitional justice doesn't just happen in the transition. So we need more scholarship about that. We still have built in assumptions that transitional justice should last for only a certain period of time. And that after a certain period of time, ordinary justice 
should take over. We know now that such built-in expiration dates are premature, inappropriate, and, and probably don't meet the needs of a state and society. And finally, we also have assumptions about which period of the past is appropriate for transitional justice. If it's 100 years or 200 years or 300 years ago, perhaps that that is outside the scope. But uh, new calls for uh, reinvestigating the appropriateness of Confederate statues clue us in that there is no one period of the past that is appropriate for transitional justice. So uh, I think our, the new wave of scholarship on transitional justice is uh, uncoupling us from these preconceived temporal assumptions about these measures uh, for the better, for the better, I think. Um, so it is with much gratitude that I thank you for your time, not just for this interview, but for all your work with uh, Dr. Nadelsky to produce this massive three-volume set. It is no small feat to develop topics, connect with scholars around the world, create symmetry across cases, constantly expand new entries and modes of transitional justice and memory, not to mention the ungrateful task of editing it is a Herculean effort, and we as a collective uh, community, thank you for this. Um, it has been a pleasure to speak with you today, Dr. Stan. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always, and I hope that uh, the listeners will be, um, will be convinced to um, uh, keep in touch with us um, for the third edition. And um, if uh, they have uh, suggestions for additional uh, entries, uh, we would be more than happy to uh, listen to all of them. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.